0: The things you're most proud about are great, they're wonderful, you're selling yourself, but they're the things that maybe are most susceptible to the biggest voids if they get challenged. And if you look at some people, they are spending a lot of time identifying themselves and telling themselves and other people's stories off of things that they've done maybe 20 years ago. Now, (laughs) it's hard when you realise you're not the same as you were 20 years ago.
1: Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. With business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Welcome. Business Mastermind podcast, episode 36. Gavin here, your host. So today's episode, we're talking with Kevin Pennison. Kevin started off his career uh, in the UK military as a paratrooper, uh, then went on to spend um, a good number of years in the lifting industry, in the crane industry, uh, which then uh, progressed into him. Developing his own training business, training others in the crane and the lifting industry. He's now moved on to helping other people in business and young, uh, sort of younger people who've lost their way on the way out of school. Um, Does a lot more speaking now, a lot of coaching. And we have a conversation specifically about identity and about how you can challenge your identity. And when uh, when things are going well, uh, in periods of momentum, when you've got the energy, when you've got the self-belief, how the importance of putting building blocks down, you know, taking the actions to build on successively. But he also shares with us how he helps people to look at the areas of um, the way they see themselves, their identity that's no longer serving them, and how they can challenge themselves to up-level that identity so that they can grow their business and their lives uh, productively. So straight into the interview now with Kevin Bennison. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today I've got the great pleasure of spending some time with Kevin Bennison. Kevin, good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning, Gavin. I am very well. Thank you very much. It's a lovely morning. So yeah, great to be with you.
1: Uh, thank you for, um, actually we're recording this on a Saturday morning, thanks for your time because I know you're going to go and uh, uh, climb some mountains in Wales, so uh, in South Wales later today, so thanks for your time this morning Kev. So um, do you want to introduce yourself, you know, uh, we're going to spend today, we're specifically we're spending some time talking around identity and the importance of that, before we before we dive into that, introduce yourself and explain a little bit about about your journey so far
0: okay well yeah i'm kevin venison and uh, after 19 years in a niche industry uh, which was the crane industry um recently i've pretty much ch- changed course on what i'm doing and i'm moving into what is more my purpose of helping people in their personal mastery and leadership and these are from skills that i've amassed over the past sort of 23 25 years Starting out from time in the military, I was a paratrooper in the British Army, Um, learned a lot about leadership in that time, and that really set the precedent for the way I went about things for many years, and then, as I say, I joined the the crane industry and developed in there from being an operator through to planning and managing lifting operations, then I became a trainer, developed a training centre for a company, and then started more in business, so I've kind of been through the whole spectrum with that. And now I'm moving on and really fulfilling my purpose in what I'm doing with helping other people.
1: And then you're a big fan of the hills in terms of getting out there and walking. walking. Yes,
0: very much so. Yes, I do love the hills. And uh, well, we're talking about identity, I think some people seem to identify me by my activities on the hills. But yes, I do love that. You know, just a, a very simple concept of we have these things that have been here for millions of years before us withstood all these things that we are unlikely to withstand if they get thrown at us and they'll be here for millions of years after so we might be surrounded by all this wonderful architecture and engineering wonders when we're in a city environment but you know what we'll have some control over those when we're going to the mountains we've got no control over them things we just got to respect them and be there
1: uh, we both share a love of the outdoors. I uh, did a lot of uh, hill walking when I was younger, uh, as we just mentioned earlier on. But you know, the water is more of my calling these days. And uh, yeah, I know you absolutely have to uh, have to respect nature and, and and surroundings. But there's also nothing better when you're completely immersed in that environment and uh, uh, you know, just focused on absorbing absorbing nature and uh, and dealing with the elements as well whenever they uh, throw whatever's thrown at you. So. Um, What I wanted to do, we had a fascinating conversation a couple of nights ago on the phone, and what I really wanted to dive into was a conversation around identity. Um, I've recently gone through the editing of my uh, first draft of my book, Survive and Thrive, and there's a key part of that is mindset, and I have a six-step process called Strive around mindset, and the I in Strive is identity, and I recently recorded a podcast talking about identity, so I thought this would be really good uh, timing, because I know this is something that you're passionate about, you're, you're working on, and actually you're delivering you're delivering uh, talks at, at speaking events around identity so you've kind of your identity has metamorphosized uh, uh, over, over time as you've changed from career from paratrooper etc into the work that you were doing in the lifting and crane world so what is i what do you class identity as what we're talking about here and secondly how yours, you know your journey through that how your identity has shifted over over the years
0: okay so in terms of identity what it is it's really something that is essentially created it could be our story it could be what defines us it could be something that we have created ourselves, or it could be something that's imposed upon us by life events or uh, the views of other people and there are some of those identities there are some of those stories that may serve us very well which may be why we uh, live them out, why we do things to further enforce those identities, which we tend to do But something happens that we adopt a particular identity. Then if that we feel that is serving us, then we start to enforce that, when that we tend to do things that that further enforces that, because we feel comfortable there. It feels good to have that identity. Let's take some of the other uh kind of identity. So for example, uh, I had, and I still do have an identity as a physical grafter, you know, that, that I pride myself on and I certainly did even more so going back a few years ago, that in terms of physical graft, there weren't really many people I come across that would outdo me on being able to keep going for hours and hours on physical graft. Now, in some environments, that serves me very well. And if I wanted to remain in those environments that, that serve me well, that that, uh, that identity serve me well, then it's going to continue to serve me well. But you find then when you try and switch environments and change things up a little bit and maybe step your life into different environments to, to improve things, that may no longer serve you if you are so heavily identified by it. So for me, the physical grafter, great but then I realized at some points that when I wasn't grafting physically I didn't feel as though I was contributing what I should be contributing so then I had this difficulty of well I'm not busy I'm not doing this so um, I don't really feel as though I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing whereas actually what would have been much more healthy to do would have been just to take some time out and sit and consider and think and strategize, which didn't fit into my physical graft of identity.
1: So, yeah. You felt that really, that didn't count in terms of work?
0: Pretty much, yeah. 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 It because my idea of working was get out there, you know, uh, knock cranes together, you know, um, sling loads, these kind of things. And uh, yeah, I still managed to live that out. I still, you know, when I was out in Singapore with the UPW crew. Um, I like to then get in the skip at the end of the night. So we put out the fire lanes for people to walk across. And oh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, uh, if anybody's not familiar with the Tony Robbins environment, on the Unleash the Power Within, the first night, the participants will walk across fire now, without going into the whole meaning behind that. So what many people don't see is us as fire team, those of us who build the fire lanes, once the participants have walked and the crew have danced away and got them G'd up and gone home, we then need to clear all this up. Yeah. So like, there's all this turf and everything where all the, the, the lanes have been sat on top of. So guess where I am feeding my identity? I'm in the skip as the wheelbarrows are coming <laughs> up, launching the turf to the <laughs> back of the skip. And- my little thing is, I'll be here as long as it takes to make sure all this turf is in the skip, so it goes back into feeding that identity. So, still, I managed to, to retain it because I feel as though I don't want to let go of it completely, but there's a time and a place for it.
1: So, how so, so the way it used to show up for you before was you would just make yourselves busy in your business, for example, and um, rather than maybe and busy on any activity other than what might be the most strategically important without giving yourself time to stop and to think. So how how did you start to catch yourself in the moment before you launched back into yet more physical graft?
0: Um, It started with awareness, Gav. It started with um, realising that this was happening, that when I was taking time out or when I was just allowing myself to think about things. There was this lack of comfort with the situation. There was this feeling within me and like any feelings um, in different environments and different situations, I've come to learn to question, you know, why am I feeling this way? Which is a very powerful question for yourself. Um, You know, there's two good questions. Why do I think this way? And why am I feeling this way? And with asking myself that question, I came to realize that I was uncomfortable because I wasn't grafting. So of course, we tend to say that the first step to healthy change is awareness. You know, awareness is is maybe over 50% part of it. You know, we don't want to quantify that, but um, it's definitely a huge chunk of it. So I first became aware, and then that way you can start to make some better choices, and you can go, okay, so the only way that I'm going to get comfortable with this is by actually doing what I see to be more helpful and getting the results from it. So um, that process doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. And many of the things that I've gone through over the past few years and the changes and the transformations I've made within myself, they haven't quite happened as quickly as it would have been helpful, you know, to get get the result to his desiring unfortunately sure. Um, sure. but they've happened and that's a good thing and I will benefit from those changes and transformations as, as time goes on
1: so when so. you talk to when so when you talk to people and you, uh, and you speak at events about identity and helping people to improve the way that they see themselves so that that identity the, the way they see themselves serves them rather than holds them back what do you recommend people do? Because I know I know you take them through kind of an exercise. What what is it you recommend people do to help develop identity or identities that will serve them and help them to achieve the goals of where they want to get to in their business or their life?
0: So the the process is simply called challenge your identity. It, yep. it does as as it says. And firstly, just to give a bit more understanding other than what we've just spoken about, of why this is important. So, in many situations, you'll have these identities, and life tends to punch us in the face sometimes, you know. As uh, Rocky Balboa said in one of the later movies, you know, life is going to beat you to your knees if you let it, and it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. I love that fictional character. It's it's amazing. I think that comes from Stallone who's full of this wisdom as well. Um, So in some of these identities, when they are serving us well, and then we'll have situations which may challenge our identity for us. um, And that will feel horrendous. That may feel hugely uncomfortable. It may leave voids if things are removed. And there are extreme circumstances that there's, a good friend recently that has been through one of the the worst situations you could possibly imagine and it's completely challenged him on how he thought he was so rather than going through this this pain to that sort of degree how about we challenge that upon ourselves we take it upon ourselves to challenge our identity and it might actually better prepare us for some of these things that life is going to throw at us because we're going to become a little bit more flexible a little bit more ready to deal with uh, things that may come along and um, change how we see ourselves so the first thing is looking at what do you feel defines or identifies you what are the things that if you were asked to just put down a few bullet points of who you are what would that be so um, people may come out with these role-based identities, but then they'll also start coming out with it. People will often come out with the things that they feel they are most proud about, you know? And the things you're most proud about are great. They're wonderful. You're selling yourself. But they're the things that maybe are most susceptible to the biggest voids if they get challenged. And if you look at some people they are spending a lot of time identifying themselves and telling themselves and other people's stories off of things that they've done maybe 20 years ago. Now, mm-hmm. it's hard when you realize you're not the same as you were 20 years ago. Mm. Um, so, yes, just maybe um, in, the, in terms of, you know, if we we're doing it one-to-one, we could be looking at 20, 30 things. When we're, when we're doing it, when I'm talking, we'll be looking at, right, just get down three to five things that so you feel identify you. Then from there, we'll look at each one and we'll go, how has that identity served you? Because it will have done unquestionably. It yeah. might even be, you know, one of the most common things that are uh, common ways that will likely serve people is by keeping them safe.
1: Absolutely. keeping
0: In their comfort zone, because they, yeah. know it. they know what it looks like. And just a side note to that, this is where I often say about people with depression and watch that may identify some people. And i suffered from depression in my early twenties, by the way, I'm not going to go into the degree of that, but just to so you know that I've been there and the thing with depression, when it identifies you as much as you know, you're going to feel like crap the next day, you know, you're going to feel like crap. So you can, yeah, yeah. you understand it. But challenging that is scary. It looks different. You don't know how it looks. You don't know what you need to do. You don't know where you need to go to challenge that. So looking at how that identity has served you, which is very important to understand that. Then the next question is look at how it might hold you back. How may that identity have held you back in the past? But let's look at more importantly, how it is holding you back right now. And how it may potentially hold you back when you think about where you want to go in life and what you want to achieve. Right. So that's then very important. From there, we can then look at so if this is your identity and it may have served you that way, but maybe holding you back that way, what can you do to challenge that? So it's almost then the extreme. Is doing something, picking something yourself because there's no point in somebody else suggesting it to you because you just not going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So picking something yourself that that really challenges that something that's potentially even the polar opposite of where you are. Now,
1: can you give me an example.
0: Um, so for example, uh, like being a physical grafter. Mm-hmm. So how can I then challenge that and? not rely upon my physical graft and start going building the, the more intellectual side. So
1: get it. I get it.
0: even me speaking like this, and because, Gav, I've uh, been through, and we've, we've known each other for a while, and I'm pretty sure you've seen in my eyes some of the fears, the questions, and all the rest of it, I've been there. For sure. For and sure. the facade that's shown up, and I've been really open about this recently. The facade that's shown up is, yeah, I can deal with this. And yeah, I'm positive. And yeah, I'll get things done. And when people don't see beyond that, they manage to take from that quite well. They manage to like take some of my energy. I can help them with getting stuff done. But actually, there was I was hiding behind that. And there was a lot of, for me, one of my limiting beliefs that I'm now well working on is, I don't have the intellectual ability to actually do these things, and what I've got to say isn't worthwhile. So, by me even embarking upon this speaking, um, which I've been doing over the past few months, you know, with Toastmasters and things like that, sure. it has challenged just my physical presence. It's like, so how do I make it that I bring out and develop the intellectual side? So the physical side is not something that I'm relying upon.
1: Great. Great. So you're shifting your identity now, work in progress, from being a physical grafter and relying on your physical strength and stamina to one where you're acknowledging the importance of thought and how you can use your, your intellect in, in, in your work in helping people mm-hmm. and not just being about physical size and stature and stamina.
0: Yeah, exactly that, exactly that,
1: yeah. So then am- you're now in that polar opposite piece he said before, you're putting yourself in a position where you have to think, where you have to use your brain and intellect rather than just your brawn, and you're probably getting reinforcement in terms of how well you're doing at that, which is helping you to craft a new identity of, you know, I'm a speaker, for example.
0: Yes, absolutely. And really interestingly, Gav, I've got so much evidence as well. I was having a real good chat with somebody, somebody, a good friend of mine, when I was out in Singapore there, he took the time. We just walked along the beach for a couple of hours and he took the time to uh, have this conversation, which not many people have done. You know, I think maybe because of that physical facade, people struggle to get beyond it. And he took the time to do that and ask me questions and get down to things. And we kind of discovered as much as there's lots and lots of evidence to suggest that um, intellectually, I can produce good things. I've been doing it for years, you know, as a trainer, I stand mm-hmm. there, and I'm quite comfortable in saying, and I have been quite comfortable in saying for some time, as a trainer, I'm in the top few percent in the world, you know, without question, because of the way that I can adapt and get things across and filter things through to help people understand as I'm looking at them in front of me, gauging how they're responding. I've been doing that for years, but then it always seemed to be that in a conversation, when I wasn't comfortable talking about my intellectual abilities, maybe I didn't feel worthy to do that. I'd go back to, yeah, you know, when we go on the hills, there's not many people that go past me. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm quite comfortable we'll going getting punched in the face when I'm doing taekwondo and things like this. Um, and I've said about start a business, if you, know, if you want to start, um, challenge yourself emotionally, uh, mentally then start a blooming business you know so it has been challenging over the past few years but i've just come to more accept that recently that actually i do have a lot to offer and what it's about now is demonstrating that and putting it into practice because that was the real scary thing it was what if maybe there's evidence to suggest that yes i'm intellectually capable and I've kind of done that in some ways, environments that were safe to me because I was able to become an expert in that environment. What if I go and do it and then actually it looks like I'm a Muppet, you
1: know? But the interesting thing, you know, I, I, I've seen the training materials that you've you produced in, in, in your previous area of expertise in terms of the crane and the lifting industry, you were phenomenal at breaking down mathematical concepts around loads and distribution of loads. And forget me, forgive me if I don't get the terminology quite right. And how, how, how you sling those loads up and the impact on the, wing, the wind and the angles and everything. And you know, there's some pretty serious maths involved in that. And you were doing it phenomenally. And yet you were diminishing that as not being intelligent. I don't know why they were, was that because it was in a physical industry?
0: I'm not sure, that's a good question. Um, I think it's probably because it was almost like, yeah, well, so I saw it as, as quite simple and when you break it down and then I helped simplify it for other people. So it was almost like something that people were making out to be, oh yeah, that's really difficult and those wind calculations are really tricky. But then once I went, once I went through it with them, they'd be like, oh, wow, that's so much more simple than I
1: thought. So I think it's a mark of intelligence to be able to simplify the complex.
0: Yeah, I think I, I agree there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I note the see? hesitation
1: while your head's trying to compute <laughs> that.
0: It's awful, isn't it? Yeah, you just can see that. I'm still challenging that identity right now, yeah. I'm living it.
1: You're living it, but you're also uh, living the willingness to put yourself into a place where you're uncomfortable. You recognise that there's something that you need to work on. So we spoke the other night on the phone about Robert Diltz's neurological levels, uh, which stops starts at the you know at the bottom area around behaviour sorry environment, and then uh, and then behaviour and skills goes to beliefs and values, and at the top is identity. And if you try to make change in an environment. And then you try to make change at a level of behavior and skill. It's incremental and slow change. But you try to make change at a level of identity. Everything else below that flows through. So when you've shifted how you see yourself... Then automatically it changes your values, it flows through to your values, your beliefs, your skills, and your behaviour. And an example that I that I often cite is a lady that I coached a number of years ago who ran an area in a region for a bank. Her area was eight million turnover. And I said, What do you do for a living? She says, well, I'm a bank manager. And actually I said, Well, do you how big's your business? And I said, Well, she said eight million. And um, so, do you realize that in your patch, you are running one of the biggest businesses in your area? So what would it be like if instead of seeing yourself as a bank manager, you saw yourself as the CEO of an £8 million business? How, how differently would a CEO of an £8 million business enter a room? How would they stand? How would they engage with their customers, prospective customers and, and employees? How would they think differently as the CEO of an £8 million business? Um, No, no, no. Make it 12. So we wrote out this future vision of who she was, the kind of person that is the CEO of a 12 million pound business. And she would read that every morning and every night. And within within the end of the next financial year, she'd hit the 12 million. And the really fascinating thing was we had not explicitly worked on strategy. But the next role she got headhunted for because of her skill was to go to head office to work in strategy. Yeah. Because if you think about it, as a CEO of a £12 million pound business, you've got to do strategy. Yes. And so it, it, it's such a powerful thing that you know if you can shift the way you see yourself, if you're operating regionally and you want to operate nationally, you've got to see yourself as operating nationally. If you see yourself as struggling with money and always having a battle about money, but you see yourself as being financially successfully independent, that's massive in the actions that you'll take. So you're now working on that whole identity and all of a sudden finding yourself on your feet in front of people. um, Often probably um, uh, challenging the notion of where you had seen yourself in the past.
0: Absolutely. And that's a great story you shared there, Gav. So thank you. And um, something that comes through from that. Certainly the way this this is the case for me, but I feel that I'm speaking for many other people as well is we have concern about how we present ourselves and the way that we identify ourselves for worry about being judged in our perceptions of how other people may see that and that may have been the case for this lady that you're talking about so we we are concerned about presenting ourselves in a certain way because we are anticipating how that may be seen but actually people will see us how we present ourselves
1: That's a good distinction, yep.
0: When you present yourself in the way that you've stepped up to the plate, then that will generally bring the level of respect. Something I feel to be very helpful is the eighth-day concept. On, If you were given an eighth day of the week and you were completely in command of that, nobody else could affect what you do or whatever, it's just yours for the taking to do whatever you want to do or whatever you feel happiest doing. Then that will start bringing out and, and the first things that come through, if you start thinking about it, people will go, yeah, I'd love to jump out of planes, blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. And this is all like, right, this is way in the future if I had that eighth day and it's not real. Let's just go right now. If I was to give you a day on the end of this week, what are you going to do with that day? And some people might just say, actually, I just sit down and watch telly for a bit. Because right now, that might be what is going to help remove you or break down where you feel you're caught up in your identities. It might be that, I just go and spend time out in nature. It might be, I would go to an all-day rave. Whatever it is, it kind of indicates what's lacking in your life at the moment. And that's a good way also to moderate what's happening in your life, get some level of balance because uh, John Demartini, Dr. John Demartini, he talks about um, people's highest values or the things that they uh, want most come from voids come from areas in their life that, that they feel are empty at the moment so they will seek to fill them so this eighth day concept just works really well in okay so what would you do with that day i just chill out that straight away to me tells me you don't feel within yourself you're getting enough time to just chill out
1: okay Yeah.
0: so that kind of helps it's a good starting point so then we can go oh, of course we ain't gonna get an eighth today. So how can we integrate some of that time doing whatever it is that you feel you need? How can we integrate that into your week? So I was yeah. chatting the other day to a good friend as well, and um, he's struggling with his weight, not in a bad way, but he would like to be in better shape than what he is. And you know, if uh, somebody can help you get the mindset and the way of thinking to get in good shape, I'm pretty good at that, I'm, I'm one of your men for that. So he was saying, yeah, but I like go out on the bike in the evenings and um, sp- that spending time with my wife, so great, that's all important, really important. And I'd given them suggestions, I said, look, if you do this, you will get results, simple as that. And that was a bit time consuming, I think there's also the thing of the effort that's involved there that's going on with them. So rather than doing it as one big chunk, how about when you come back in from your cycle ride, then you just do part of it.
1: So as they start to take those steps in the right direction, how, how you know, they're going to get challenges. They're going to, they're going to be faced with things that will test them and test their resolve. Uh, the risk here is that this new uh, fledgling identity that they're trying on for size um gets really challenged and they go, well, clearly I'm evidently not up to this. I, I you know, I haven't got what it takes. So what would your recommendation be when somebody's facing something that's really challenging them as they're trying to step up, trying to live a better version of themselves, a newer, enlarged identity for themselves and they get that challenged?
0: Yeah, well, like you say, that's an absolute inevitability.
1: For sure. Um,
0: we're all all going to come across those things Uh, and I've been across many myself and um, recently when I have become much clearer on the direction that I'm going and the direction Mm -hmm. I want to go um, I've considered that you'll have these times of momentum you'll have these times of great energy where you have the belief and you start doing things For me, it's very important in these times to get a building block down, which is an action. So if you don't get a building block down and climb up and get on top of that building block, when it comes to those days where you're feeling like crap, which we all have, we're all human beings, we all have them, and it's just really how long it takes you to turn that around, it's I think the big difference. But when you have those days that you feel like crap and you have a little bit of a fall down, what you want to do is you want to fall back on to that latest building block that you've put in place. That, if we're thinking back of Sonic the Hedgehog, for anybody that's familiar with that, and <laughs> run along and then you'd see the lamppost and it'd spin around and go ding-ding. you go, right, if I die now, I'm just back to that lamppost. And yeah. that's <laughs> kind of the same thing. So even if you, like, if you get this concept of, yeah, I feel as though I can achieve that. That's way up there. But what I want to do is get a building block in. Love so that. So some days I might just be able to shelter on that building block.
1: I love that. And
0: I'm not going to drop back down to where it was. So even if you draw out, okay, so what is the building block that I've now created? And I can go back to it. And sometimes when I'm in my lost place that our mind takes us in all different kind of directions and it questions everything, and you're like, whoa, I don't like it here. Let's go back to what I know. Have a look at your building blocks, because this is what you know. This is what you've done. So just go back there. You don't need to go all the way back to where you started. You just go back to there and have a bit of a rest, and then the next wave of energy and momentum will come, and then you're going to get your next building block back. And you can uh, so uh,
1: I, I love that, and, and it's, but also the key lesson is that is when you have that wave of energy, when you're feeling unstoppable, when you've got the momentum, you need to focus on getting down building blocks, taking the actions so that you know that while things are you know going your way, you've got yeah. you, you, you you're building the next step up on the on on the stairway of success and progress. Yeah. So you don't waste that momentum. You really want to be able to capitalize on it.
0: Definitely, and. Um, as our uh, good mentor and uh, influencer Tony Robbins says, you know, just do something, just get the next block in, do something, just do something. It doesn't need you, don't need to worry about what the finished thing is, just level up. And that's what I've been doing as well, you know, over the past couple of weeks just putting myself out there with, with some uh, different level conversations and, and presenting myself in a way that that gives that person I'm talking to certainty that we can work well together.
1: The other thing that really shines through uh, in this conversation for me um, is the very thing that you think may have held you back in the past, your identity as a grafter, gives you such inner strength and stamina that you will, if necessary, pick up and carry your clients with you while they're really struggling. You've got that real sense of, we will get there, a real sense of absolute determination. Your work ethic, your grafter shines through in terms of your absolute willingness to develop yourself, to learn what you need to do to continually improve. And I think that's a a powerful beacon and guide to anybody that you're working with because you're living proof. You're just, and I think, I think some of the best coaches to be honest, aren't the finished product. They are one or two steps or two or three steps further down the path than the person that they're working with. And there's so much more relatability, uh, from that. So you're showing up beautifully on that journey as I, I've seen the things that hold me back I see the things that I am working on now and you're in a position of putting yourself out there to help people that, you know, a couple of steps further behind you in that journey that maybe haven't got that level of awareness. Uh, my encouragement would be to, uh, to keep to keep that work ethic and that grafter because that strength, that certainty, that sheer power in those legs that get you up and down those hills is actually what will mean that you will be a rock and an absolute trusty confident to ensure that your clients do achieve the results that they, um, that they want to achieve.
0: So on the hills, when I go out there, that's where I can still really enforce that, that grafter. That's part of me. Mm. It works for me. And the self-talk for me is, when I'm going up a, a, an incline and my legs start feeling it a bit and then you start getting the messages of, ah, oh, legs are hurting, slow down. My self-talk is, listen, you'll do as you're told. Yes, <laughs> sir. when I tell you to slow down. And if you keep moaning, guess what? We're going to go faster.
1: That's the paratrooper in you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, somebody else there. That's me and that's my physical body being told. You just got to get on with it. And if you yeah. want to, like, if you want me to challenge you, we'll go faster.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Kev, how can people find you? Where will they follow you on social media?
0: All the usual places, Gav. So I'm on LinkedIn, just Kevin Benison. I'm on Facebook, I've got my personal profile and of course I've got my uh, page that I'm currently building up and um, uh, rebranding and such like, so that's Kevin Benison as well. I've got a website which I'll be transforming from simply a blog to more uh, an information and uh, connectable platform, so that's KevinBenison.com.
1: Fantastic, Kevin. Right. Get yourself out on those hills. So you, you, I think you might even be challenged today, aren't you? because you're going out with a, a, a world champion triathlete or to something today on the hills.
0: She'd already given her disclaimer, Gav. She said, we've um, got some friends coming out, so we won't be, won't be going fast. And I was like, I took that as, don't, like, Kev, don't come out and expect that we're going to hammer it, you know?
1: Oh, no, no, no. That starts to get your guard down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> don't get your guard down that's game on in my mind that's my interpretation of that message
0: (laughs) don't fall for that (laughs) yeah I'll I'll be selective on what photos I share there's no other ones
1: (laughs) Um, thanks very much mate it's been a real pleasure as ever enjoy yourself today and um, yeah thanks very much for your time coming on the Business Mastermind podcast
0: thank you Gav have a great weekend
1: will do Hi, Gavin here. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can tell I'm passionate about helping businesses to grow and scale and prepare for exit. If you want to find more about how I can help you grow and scale your business, then get in touch. Drop me an email at gavin at gavinpreston.com. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact.